Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of my What Is Life series of conversations. Um, I hope you're going to really love the conversation with Greg as much as I did, but I need to start it with an apology, um, which is because of the sound quality. Um, when I came to edit it up after the conversation, um, I realised that there was a huge division between the sound on my mic and on Greg's, and that Greg's was getting quieter um, throughout the podcast, which I think has turned out to be a problem he had with his computer. So um, we were left with either not putting it out or putting it out with an apology and saying, um, uh, I hope it doesn't stand completely in the way of your enjoyment of the conversation, although it might, because um, it does feel a bit like I'm shouting, Greg is whispering, and neither of which, of course, is what was actually happening. But here it is. Um, and it, uh, it's a, what Greg has to say is fascinating. So um, it felt like uh, worth giving you the choice. So here it is. Hello. Hi, Greg. Can you hear me okay? I can. Can you hear me okay? Perfect. Hey, Tim, how are you? I'm good. Very nice to meet you. Wonderful to meet you, too. You have a diagram behind you of what you're working on. I can see that. I recognize <laughs> that from the internet. <laughs> yes, indeed. That's the garden philosophy back there. Oh, so, uh, it, it gives me my little uh, sanctuary. <laughs> so, so the uh, hopefully you've kind of got the idea. But for for what I'm doing, um, it's just really a, a chance to talk with people like yourself, have a private conversation and then put it out for other people to see if they're interested, which it turns out lots of people are. And the place that I really want to always start, and this is you know very much my preoccupation, is on a very human level, really, which is, you yeah. know, hi, Greg, this is Tim. It's pretty weird, isn't it? This business yeah. we're in called Being Alive. Uh, we're heading towards not being alive. Um, before we get into the kind of work we've been doing and all of that stuff, just to start with something really, really obvious, which is, you know, what do you, what do you think this is that we're experiencing? <laughs> and, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And I mean that at multiple ways. Huh? I know. Yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, that's certainly a very near and dear question close to my heart. Um, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm basically riding the crest of the wave of causality. <laughs> basically, that's that's the way I would sort of frame it. Uh, and then sometimes being pulled into the depths of entropy, and then sometimes uh, you know reaching for the stars of com complexification or uh, any other number of kind of sort of lodestars of light uh, and in relationship to darkness and chaos, but feeling all of that. I love that. So you, you, you said you're riding the waves of causality. I can kind of get that. Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of, and then sometimes rising up. What's the rising up bit? What does that mean? So the rising up bit basically is sort of the, what I would say sort of orienting myself towards the concept of goodness or the concept of God, um, basically. Uh, and, and, and relating then to the, so the horizontal entanglements and beauty of my actual world. Uh, and then sometimes being pulled, uh, either say biophysically or spiritually, you know, socially or, uh, mentally into, you know, sort of the entanglements of, uh, suffering and, and, and I, I really relate to that description, Greg, 
a lot. And, and, and so can you just tell me what you mean when you say relating to the concept of God? Yeah. So, um, I am, I, I consider myself sort of a, an atheistic agnostic synthiest. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what that yeah. means is it, it means I'm without belief in concrete, specific personal gods that, uh, sort of populate all the various, you know, or many of the various religions. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm agnostic about the ultimate nature of reality. Uh, I, don't, I don't have the capacity to know what reality uh, really is. Um, uh, I'm a synthist in the belief, uh, in the sense that I believe in the concept of God uh, or the creation of God through uh, our imaginal uh, world, and and then that becomes well, what is that? And it's sort of a, it's a way of relating to the universe in general, and it's in particular in this sense. Um, this would be the concept of the ultimate good, uh, what would be sort of goodness, truth, and beauty, uh, be very much overlapping with Paul Tillich's ultimate concern from a more theological perspective, from a more secular perspective, although Aristotle had some uh, deism in him, but it'd be, it'd be the eudaimonic ultimate endpoint, like what would be the, the virtuous and wise way of living in the world. So it's sort of orienting what the ultimate sage would be or um, what would foster uh, the ultimate valued states of being? Beautiful. Wow. So, so God as a uh, actually as an idea. As an idea. Yeah. Exactly. Believing uh, in that idea, and which and which arises from our exploration, or well, it really is, and it certainly it's important for me to contextualize that in the, what I would say sort of is the history of at least Western thought. And okay. what I would mean by that would be, you know, we have the traditionalist Christian view, um, although there are, of course, a multitude of concepts of God, um, you have sort of the concretized version of it, uh, of, yep, no, he's a good, you know, he's got a beard and he's hanging out in the sky, you know, uh, <laughs> and then you get the modernist version of that, and uh, the modernist version of, no, that's mistaken, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, no, there's no, where would he be? And how would he work with the rest of the world? And you can't really make this dual world thing work. So that's just a bunch of, you know, fairy tale land, uh, you know, conceptions that children would have. And it's time for us to grow out of them. That's essentially what I was raised, you know, sort of a Dawkins-esque version of God's a delusion or things like that. Uh, and then over the last 15 to 20 years, I've come to realize that, wait a minute, <laughs> that's a little simplistic on both sides, right? You know, that's sort of like the idea that, you know, certainly I don't believe in, you know, I, I got myself in a lot of trouble in the eighth grade one time, uh, where I announced to my fellow eighth graders in a bus that, you know, believing in God's kind of like believing in Santa Claus. I mean, nobody really believes that, do they? <laughs> I was like, no, a lot of my eighth grade friends did not think that that, that was that was not an analogy they wanted to draw. And they quickly told me that my parents were setting me up to go to hell, a real one. <laughs> so I remember that. Um, so, you know, that that version of God I, I grew out of and then grew into the idea. And I really believe this from sort of where we are, is that we need to reclaim the concept of God in, in a way that revitalizes our soul and spirit. And I mean that all naturalistically. So I am, uh, I don't, um, you know, I'm agnostic about like parapsychology or, you know, uh, uh, reincarnation. I'm all sort of like, well, I'm really trying to get a coherent naturalist view of the world, but do so in a way that is uh, 
wise wisdom orienting and fulfilling and fosters our connection and our sense of being, uh, you know, on this planet while we're here. So I, I really love that. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I've been thinking a lot about it, actually, because of um, little stuff I've read about yourself and John Vivaki and various other people that I've been coming across. And, and, I, and, and I've been thinking also about Sam Harris and people like that and, and, and realizing there's a slightly, I, I, I think it overlaps, I think, mm -hmm. but there's a slightly different agenda which is taking off. And it's slightly different to mine, I think. Okay. Although it definitely got overlaps. Yeah. Because, I'm very curious about yours. Um, because what that what that you you've been much more agnostic, I think, than some of the the folks I'm coming across. Um, uh, but there is a kind of a I don't know. I'm not putting you in this or assuming anything. But mm -hmm. There's a kind of a a way of thinking now, which is kind of going, oh, look, this, these spiritual domains, ideas like the, a God, or mm -hmm. they, there's something there of value. We don't want to lose that. But yep. somehow we pull that into a naturalistic understanding of the world. And for instance, my sense with, with, with Sam is that is, you know, like, well, we'll take meditation, but we'll yep. leave, <laughs> you know, what it, yep. what, what it yep. claims to be. Uh, but we can still, you know, it's still a great thing and we can yep. understand it neurologically and you've got no freedom of choice anyway. So, you know, all of that. <laughs> it's so, all going to happen anyway. Yeah. Like, so, so, like you know, that. there's that kind of naturalistic <laughs> expansion of things. And, and, and then there's a kind of, I think what I'm exploring is wanting to take what's regarded as natural and extend it quite mm. considerably. Okay. And go, yeah, or maybe nature doesn't end with biology or or the psyche as a as a byproduct of biology but maybe actually this evolutionary process we're in mm. has actually led on to the arising of a whole domain we experience as the psyche it's the one we're communicating in now yep. it's not in space it doesn't seem to be made of things it does it's not it's non-material um, but it exists and not yep. as not as some uh, it's, it's information in its own right, which right. is interesting because, I mean, even people like Daniel Dennett will go will talk like that. We'll go look at his information. And I guess what I'm trying to what interested in is is rather than taking the spiritual and going, can we get that into the naturalistic? It's kind yep. of the same thing. But going, can we stretch the naturalistic until this domain doesn't yeah. have to be one of just a mythos and all of that, that it actually has a reality to it, but it's an right. emergent or evolutionary reality. Right. 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 I, and I love that. And I think people syncing up on this kind of dialectic is very powerful, meaning coming from the spiritual to the natural, coming from the natural to the spiritual and finding that kind of bridge and dialectical perspective. I think that's a lot of what the kind of ideally cultural consciousness of sort of the next wave of sensibility um, would afford us. I, yeah. I, it's a nice, cool uh, space. Yeah. The next wave of sensibility. I love that. Um, there was a phrase I, I just stuck in my mind when I, I just uh, emailed um, John Vivaki before we were talking, we, we, mm. we were talked and he, he talked about um, you as being, part of the team trying to afford profound psycho-ontological transformation to save the world. Which hey! I just thought was like, wow, that's yep. such a, you know, <laughs> yeah, we're trying to afford profound psycho-ontological transformation to save the world. So what is that? How's, how's that going to happen? Sure. 
Um, well, that's a, it's a tall task, let's be clear. Um, but, but there are, but if we get the right insight, I think that there, we can afford ourselves, um, you know, plant seeds at this juncture and then hope that the, uh, we have the time, fingers crossed, to, for this to take root and create a developmental process over the next couple of decades. That's what yeah, my yeah. vision is. I, I feel the same. You know, and and my particular line on this, and and you know, and John and I are, I'm super excited about my connection with John at a at a friendship and brotherly level on the one hand, but I'm really excited also intellectually. Okay, so uh, the fact that John and I's visions are syncing up, um, I. I don't want to overshoot it, but I want to say that it is a very, very profound thing in my view. Okay, um, because we actually, my, I, my experience was I was sort of climbing a mountain uh, of a particular place in our intellectual philosophical world, um, and although I connected with a lot of people, I was seeing a whole landscape where essentially no one else was seeing or couldn't yeah. really jam and jive with. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I get into this whole rebel wisdom space with David Fuller and I'm following off of the wake of Jordan Peterson. And I got roped into John Verveke's meaning crisis and um, boom, I take that course and I'm like, oh, my God, there's somebody else in this world that sees this thing. Uh, the fact that he comes from cognitive science and philosophy, I come from uh, clinical psychology, theoretical psychology. Uh, we certainly fill in different pieces of the puzzle, but that those pieces of the puzzle lock together. Okay. Um, that's a big deal uh, because what it basically means is you have two people speaking complicated language systems that now can define foundational terms that have never been able to be defined before, and that's a big deal. That is, and 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 I, you know, in in a different way, you know, my my uh, strange journey through this. I mean, I I, I turned away from academia very early on and just thought I'm never going to find what <laughs> I'm looking thinking. for. Well, it just, you know, I, I, I somebody did, in the bowels of academia, I, I, I went to philosophy, I studied philosophy to understand what life is. And I, you know, and it wasn't helping. Uh, no I did, wonder I did, you turned away from academia. Yeah, I did learn how to think, which was great. And, and I did learn a lot of history, which was great. But um, it wasn't what I was looking for. So, you know, my, my life took me in the direction of, I know what, I'll stop reading books and meditate for a year, mm. and see what that does. And, right, and, right. and you know, that kind of that, so my whole exploration has been completely personal with people around me, of course, and with, with other people that I relate to very closely, which have been really important, but not with mainstream culture. So yep. this last period of my life has been the time where I'm starting to engage again with people who've been in mainstream culture or mainstream academic culture, at least, like, mm -hmm. like, like yourself and many others. Right. And, and that's kind of interesting to see where it is now. And, and, and that, same, that same feeling of isolation is like, I'm, look, I can keep seeing this vision. It's unfolding like crazy. Yes. I spend all day, every day working on it. Yes. Uh, what's it is, is there something collective that's, that's happening? Is there a conversation where that can all um, start becoming... It, it takes it, it's always people connecting isn't it that makes a change totally. totally and i believe that that's exactly right in the sense that i believe that there is a collective that is riding this wave of causality on a particular frequency yeah that is starting to sync up and starting to see its own new cultural sensibility about you know from naturalism to spiritualism spiritualism naturalism the edge of where modernity is what is all happening what needs to happen there is really something collectively happening, I feel. So, so 
I know it's kind of it's kind of like I, I I can see from the little I've looked at, which I'm an apologies I haven't had more time is because I'm so involved in what's happening. <laughs> you know, it's like every day is like whoa, and, and it's kind of crazy right now. Um, and and I can't take too much else in. Of course, but I'm but I'm but I was like I relished the opportunity to just be with you and go. Yeah. But yeah. what's the essence of what you're how you're approaching this? Right. And just get okay. you to tell me. Right. Um, so, you know, the probably best way to do that is a bit of a narrative form. Okay? Yeah. Uh, and and the essence. So my narrative starts as a standard sort of atheistic empirical psychologist undergraduate. All right. So learn the scientific method and epistemology like you observe behavior and you measure stuff and you do all that. And then you have to quantify it and you have to compare it against them. You have to do the experimental method. All right. And I learned that and I want to apply it to this thing called, you know, human behavior and mental process. All right. So I want to be a human psychologist and I want to learn social psychology and personality and all that. Okay. I do that as an undergrad and science is the way to go. You know, this kind of modern science sense making. Uh, Then I like, but I I really like talking to people and I, I want to be a healer too. And so I want to be a clinical psychologist. Okay. Uh, so then I go into my master's program and I think I, that I've, that the science people have basically told me, well, we figured out that cognitive and behavioral therapies are the right way to go and they get the best outcomes and we're making progress on all of this. Um, and so that's where my orientation is until I actually get behind the scenes in the actual art and craft and, and, and both the science and the practice of the actual therapy. And I basically realized that the CBT science narrative is essentially bullshit. Okay. Um, the, the real world is, is that actually the best of the best get the best outcomes from all the different perspectives. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they pretty much get similar outcomes that, you know, you can yeah. tweak the academic argument, but the general finding is they get similar outcomes yeah. where the client is, how much trouble they have across so many different domains, what their attitude is. It's all that mesh with the charisma of the therapist and the way they can articulate and embody the paradigm that they bring to bear. Okay. Yeah. And as long as a bona fide paradigm. So that's like, well, okay, they're the best of the best. And actually I want, I'm a big picture coherentist. Okay. What that means is I, I want to be able to see the big picture with a degree of coherent understanding. That's where my soul seeks. Okay. So then the issue is, well, why is it, I can kind of, I can speak the language of all these different paradigms. Uh, you know, I can intuit what they're saying. I can see that they have gra- so why, if we look at modern medicine, we can say modern medicine sort of organized by the science of biology. And there are all these specialties and treatments, but they all come back to the science of biology. So then it's like, I want an architecture of the science of psychology that helps me then speak the language of all of this, of all these paradigms. And so uh. I then, so then I was going to say, okay, there's the research and the science, and then that's going to inform my orientation. And then I'll organize all the paradigms and then I'll I practice. That's what my intuition was. Okay. Well, when I went back to the science of psychology with this desire for coherence that I required so that I could engage in my practice, that's when I discovered the problem of psychology. (laughs) And the problem of psychology is it's unbelievably incoherent when you take a step back. It's completely chaotic at the level of its capacity to tell us what the hell it's talking about. Okay. So it can tell you what, if you get a psychologist on here and they've studied emotion or they get a psychologist on here and studied social process, you can get really good research programs about specific issues. But when you actually ask a psychologist, what is the science of psychology about? And what do you mean by behavior and mental process? Nobody agrees on what that is. 
what? <laughs> like there is no shared fundamental understanding of our subject matter at all at its even basic organization. It's amazing mm. when you actually realize that. And not only is it understood. <laughs> and like unnerving, a, like, I should think. Like, you know, it's like, it's, and then you realize you actually go back to the history and you're like, well, wait a minute. Actually, yeah. we've known this since the 1920s. <laughs> Like this has been documented. All the theoretical and philosophical psychologists know is, this. Is that because people are coming from such different exactly. perspectives? Okay. And they can't get a meta perspective that actually ever that coordinates everybody. So they play different instruments, but there is no way to create music out of so you just create noise. And so that you can only way you can hear it is listen to each instrument as a paradigm. And nobody figured out a way to put the instruments together to create music out of the noise. And then they decided that it was impossible to do that you will never be able to do that. So you live with the pluralism and you apply the scientific methods to the research uh, 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 of interest, to the topic of interest. That's the field. But so that's interesting. It's like, well, why? <laughs> so do you, do you mean, just so I'm clear on what you're saying so far, Greg, do you mean like, you know, we're going right back, you know, there's Freud or there's yep. behavioralism or there's Jung or there's all the different, Rogerian is all, all of those different, and they don't they don't um, cohere in a, in any way. So they ha right. it's a bit like you were studying physics and everyone had their own theory, and there wasn't a general sense that you know it's, it's Newton exactly was right like now being subseded by Einstein or whatever. You know, totally. whilst there's disagreements, there's also a huge amount of agreement. Totally. Okay. Yep. That's exactly. my my sense. To do when I this is long, long, long time ago, but when I was doing psychology as part of my philosophy degree. Um, you know, it just like it was all behaviorism. <laughs> it was like that was it. <laughs> well, that's actually so. What happens is so right. So you get you get the structuralists that want to look inside the subjective experience of being. That's like Wundt, and then into Titchener. Okay, so then then that's the what is behind the eyes, the experience of subjectivity, consciousness, whatever. That's the original topic matter. It grows out of psychophysics. So the founding of psychology by Wundt is hey, it's the human experience of being behind the eyes. That's one topic. Okay, then you come over to American psychology and the functionalists say, no, it's really the adaptation of mental life. That's James's definition. Now, that's much more between. Say that again, Greg. Say that again. The, the adaptation of mental life, which means basically the functional adaptation of how mental life interacts with the environment to do what it does. That's what James thought that psychology was the science of mental life. And he's a functionalist because his primary mode of thinking about it is what's the functional adaptation. That so that's a, you're there to use John's. If you remember John Verbeke and his you know his four modes of knowing, the first one is the study of your perspectival knowing behind your eyes. This is much more of a participatory and procedural engagement kind of idea about what the mind is, which is a different domain. Okay, so that's why you have structuralism and functionalism. Um, then you get the behaviorists, uh, specifically John Watson, who has both a strict epistemology of what you can know, okay, and he's got a reductive physicalist ontology, which means he basically thinks that you can just think about it as switchboards inside the neural networks, and that's it, okay? So now it's going to be like, okay, I'm going to do stimulus response psychology, which is I'm going to trigger a stimulus and then see what you respond and then experiment on that, and that's what psychology is. Well, that's a totally different thing. That behavior, this defined is different than functionalism and structuralism. 
And you then get Freud. All of this has happened at the same time, where he's like, you have your self-conscious rationale, and you have these underlying energy that you're not conscious of. There's tension. You get all, you get mentally ill, and then we treat you there. You know, those are four. I could list more, but those yeah, are just four examples yeah, yeah. of different paradigms. That is like pre-Newton. It's like, what is matter? You know, six different different ways of thinking about it. So, what is mind? We never so, figure it out. So are, are you are you looking then at this stage in the story, are you looking for a way of of bringing all of those perspectives together or are you looking for a better perspective which can replace um, them? I'm, I'm, I'm sort of looking, I mean, I, you know, the history is a little different than what actually unfolds. Right now, if, I'm, if I go back to 1995, uh, what's happened is, is now I'm like, I'm looking at that all the different paradigms and I want a big picture view, yep. you know, that organizes them. Yep. I'm yep. not thinking that I will generate it. I'm just thinking, like, where is it and where can I yep. find it? You know? yep. And yep. then I actually find it in, for a while, I found it in what's called evolutionary psychology. Okay, so evolutionary psychology has come onto the scene. You probably heard of Steve Pinker. You know, he wrote in 1994. He yeah. wrote The Language Instinct. Um, there was a big movement in evolutionary psychology, and they were making claims that they had figured out how to align the system. And of course, it anchors it in evolution. And yeah. all of the other paradigms actually are adopting various languages and frames, but they all are evolutionary broadly. So I then was, I was like, oh my God, I found my conductor. Evolutionary psychology will allow me to conduct the paradigms in a particular way. And for two years, I was totally obsessed with that. And I thought that that would afford me uh, the right answer. And it turns out it can't and doesn't. Huh. Okay. And why is that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the basic issue is, is because the actual model of evolution uh, that people operate from, from the natural sciences, they don't really know how to carve up the stages and processes of what evolves so that you can actually get clear about what we mean by the concept of mind and be relative and behavior, okay? The simplest way to think about this is what you need to get it clear is you need a clear differentiation between the living world and the animal world on the one hand, you need, there's a, you need to be able to define exactly where that lens is, what I then call the joint point between life and mind, okay? That's the joint point between the organisms and animals, okay? Animals really is where mind should be located, yep, right? Yep. And then you have to get clear about what is the joint point between how the animal mind grows from the Cambrian explosion about 550 million years ago, yep. all the way up into the pre-hominid, you know, uh, primate ancestors. Yep. Uh, and then how do you go from a hominid primate to a cultured person? Yep. So that's, those are the two. And we yep. do not have clear markers that tell, that has consensually agreed upon specifications about how to draw those lines. Mm -hmm. Okay. In 1996, I figured out how to draw the line between the primate and the person. Okay. So I figured out how to draw that line and to be very is it, clear. Is it, is it too big to tell me how? Because it sounds fascinating. <laughs> well, basically the, the, the idea that ties together lots of ideas is called justification systems theory. Okay. So justification systems theory is the idea that what happens is we're primates and we're syncing up uh, in our social world. Okay? Yep. And hominids, as Michael Tomasello will tell you, is hominids, as hominids say, a million years ago, half a million mm -hmm. years ago, we have this really unique capacity for social interaction. 
and yep. mind reading and yep. shared attention and intention better yep. than the other primates. And you could see this, we're able to get into groups and group do group hunting and gathering and coordinate our stuff radically different. Okay. So, and then in this sea of intersubjectivity starts the process then of true symbolic tagging where you yep. start, uh, you're engaged first and undoubtedly lots of rhythmic activity. Um, but then we actually get symbols for various things like antelope, there, water, rock, you know, drum, et cetera. Okay. So then we get the beginning parts of language of human symbolic language. Okay. Uh, and this is affording us more and more capacity to sync up. All right. And coordinate our action and with more cognitive flexibility. And then we make a jump from broken symbol symbols to symbolic syntactical processing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. So symbolic syntactical processing now means we have the basic grammar so we can put symbols together to create a proposition. Yeah. Okay. So now I get to say there are the antelope. Yeah. Okay. Well, antelope there and there are the antelope is a radically different cognitive structure. Okay. Uh, at least according to this theory. And the reason it's a radically different cognitive structure is that by the nature of propositions is they have truth claims in them that are specifiable. <laughs> okay. So now yep. there are the antelope. All right. Yep. Which then by virtue of creating a truth claim creates the clear opportunity for a counterfactual. Okay. So now it takes up cognitive space. Like, there are the antelope. Okay. And now you can say, well, how do you know, or maybe not, or any number of different kinds of counterfactual around this propositional claim? So, Greg, how, how is that different? When you said, I, I might have misunderstood you, because if you go antelope there, isn't that, yep. isn't that also something you can go? It's very similar, but it really? doesn't. Well, <laughs> it's very similar in the sense that once you open up propositional speech, Okay. The argument is, is that when you open a propositional speech, two things happen. The concretization of the meaning gets much greater. Okay. Right. And that affords you the opportunity then to question it much more directly. Okay. okay. So okay. essentially we're talking about a tipping point between their antelope into a question answer dynamic. And the argument is that propositions really create the different kind of context so that we can actually then engage in factual and then counterfactual claims with reason giving arguments. So how much of that relies on uh, how, uh, what I'm getting from what you're saying or what, what's the question that's coming up for me is I'm, is I'm thinking how much of that re it relies on the fact that there's this change in the way the language is being used and how much of it is, is relying on the fact that the interchange is able to be doubted. In, in other words, right, I, mean, I don't right. know when does when when does communication in the animal world is there doubt in the animal world? Uh -huh. you know, you know, well, when, there, there's certainly misdirection, and there's certainly even maybe even that's self, true. Self deception. There's definitely right. misdirection. Okay, misdirection and for sure. There's definitely detection of yeah. trying to like sync up. You know what is actually the meaning? All right. But um, if 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 there's a if if there's a claim like you know predator nearby mm -hmm. right. is, is there ever the equivalent of nah, i don't think i believe you <laughs> or do, is that true we are the only animal that's ever asked a question 
Yeah, that's I love that statement. I love that statement. I find that so intriguing and profound. Yeah. So is that really what you're homing into into yep. here? Mm-hmm. Because right. I, that's a, such a succinct way of getting it for that's me. A, yep. Yep. It's oh, like, yeah. you just got it. It's like, yeah, it that's the shift that's that's when the you shift. can ask a question rather than make exactly. a statement. Right. Right. And the argument simply that I was leading you to was yeah. propositional statements, prime questions in a way. Prime questions. Yeah. They yeah. Prime yeah. the capacity. Yeah. Of questions. Yeah. 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 That's really what I, I was, I was maybe being, uh, you know, not clear about, but yeah. Oh, the questions are this negative space around the thing. Cause all of a sudden it's like, well, how do you know, or what's going yeah. on? Or yeah. now I'm going to compete and add another proposition that challenges this in a particular way. Yeah, because that is a huge jump, isn't it? It's a huge the, the, the jump. jump. From, well, <laughs> the, the jump from making a, a, a claim or, or, or giving some information about the world, which you take to be factual, to actually asking a question about the world. That is just, that is just huge. And, it's a huge difference. And I mean, this is slightly different, but it really, you know, I've, one of the things, this is a completely different thing. I'm going to take this off on a tangent, am I? But what came to mind for me was something which really struck me about what, what one time I was writing books on shamanism and, and, mm. and spending a lot of time with um, some indigenous um, teachers in various traditions. And one of the things that used to strike me was how many questions I asked and how few they did. And it was like really intriguing. It's like, I wanted to know all, or or I remember seeing, I did some stuff around the Kogi Indians in Colombia and Alan Herrera, who's a BBC filmmaker, made a film about them and then made a second film about this and brought some of the the mamas, as they're called, the the priests or the, the, the shamans, over here and there was this great scene as i remember it this is a long time ago now so i might be not completely remembered clearly but as i remember it they come across and they're in some sort of observatory in england and looking at maps and through telescopes and all the rest of it and the 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 astronomer is there going so tell me how you see that you know like absolutely intrigued they look at it they don't ask him a single question not one they never go, wow, what's this? <laughs> they just right. tell him how it is. And, and there's right. something about the growth. And, and, and you could see that, like, what, one of the things perhaps that's made, well, we're on the internet now because human beings have asked so many questions that it's just been the exponential growth in questioning, which is, so yeah. I love that idea of, anyway, so I got a bit distracted, but I love the idea no, of bringing no, it back into a transition into yep. this other a counterfactual a different that's i love that yeah uh the the argument that uh that emerged as i asked these questions <laughs> was essentially the you know we can really track archaeologically the mind's big bang uh, right. 50 to 100,000 years ago yeah yeah the argument is is that there's a tipping point at some form of you know broken symbol into a question answer dynamic and that question answer dynamic is is then is a tipping point precisely because of all of the you just opened up the negative question space dynamic, which is one of the huge dynamics that really gets opened up. OK, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's a that's a that's part of it. One of the other things is as you start to answer questions, OK, then all of a sudden you start to create shared systems of justification, shared systems of narration. OK, in terms of the way the world works. Um, and so then you have people will then develop shared propositional networks with central yeah. propositions and then yeah. Yeah. fluctuate. Yeah. And then yeah. this becomes then the worldview yeah. of a particular community, for instance. Yeah. Okay. 
So now you're then really building belief systems and you get this yep. idea of like, well, why do we start painting in caves? You know, certainly 25, 40,000 years ago. Well, because now you have this why problem and this explanatory problem. And now you have this whole, this why and explanation is all part of this question and answer dynamic. And it then opens up the capacity to seek meaning and wonder about how the world works and why that would then give rise to an animistic worldview in a particular way. Yeah, I mean, one of the things which which occurs to me when I think about that period, um, been on my mind a lot recently, actually, of just thinking that what's so interesting, well, that the, the human beings, this transition, you're exactly what you're talking about, came into this being human beings with this development of the psyche or the mind and and level upon level upon level and it's been exponential ever since into this massive domain of of images and ideas and ideas about ideas and, and oh. narrative stories connected all through meaning and narrative and so that so that it feels like the first place that human beings went was to that because that was obviously the latest thing. It was what, that's what they had. That's what they had to think with. And you can, and you can see this kind of like a, this ability for the human beings, any of us, you and I, I'm really conscious of, we can only think with the ideas we've, that are available to us. Well, all right. And, all right. and, and to think that every single idea, you know, every word, but every idea the word represents was thought for the first time once by somebody. Mm. Right. And now there's so many of them. But to go back to a time when there weren't very many, and there yep. might be mother, father, sky, earth. And from that, you need to create something which enables you to understand everything. And, and that kind of way in which just to look at the, the kind of magical way that you can intend things and you can make them happen. And then yep. to see that the whole universe in that way is a very obvious. And so it, it took a long time to see it any differently to that, didn't it? Yeah. I, I, you know, totally. So, so it's a very different, very different mind space, isn't it? And 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 I often think, you know, if anyone was to stumble upon this in a hundred years' time or two hundred years' time, I'm sure there's there's just ways of thinking that would seem incredibly quaint or just, yes. Well, they, they, because let's hope so anyway. Well, right. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm sure you've heard of memes. You know, Richard. Yeah, Walker's exactly. Concept, yeah. yeah. Memes. What this says is. I mean, the tree of knowledge twists this a little bit, but it basically says you've got this evolution of justification systems. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. plexes, a mean plex yeah. in this is justification systems and they yeah. compete and you throw reasons out there and they compete about various things. And then yeah. there's all these questions and every proposition's got negative space around it and, and just then takes off into what I call the evolution of the culture person plane of existence. Okay, so this is a culture person plane of existence. Um, and the definition of mind here really is a particular kind of mind, the human mind, what I call actually mind three. There's the animal mind we want to be aware of. And this is yep. human mind, which is really the rational justifying mind that's pulling our images and our affects and then projecting. So it, it, yep. it creates all sorts of feedback machinery on yep. our more basic primate mind. Yep. But it's important to be able to then separate what is our primate mind relative to our culture person mind and how those things feed back and where they are in the evolutionary history. So connect that back with what you're saying about all these different psychologies and the problem of psychology. Right. So, okay. So I'm in the midst of then learning evolutionary psychology. Okay. And evolutionary psychology is really good because it pulls in, you know, like a Brett Weinstein evolutionary biology view. <clears throat> and it says, okay, you have sort of this 
neurocognitive structure that's learning how to process information. In fact, those are the two schools, evolutionary biology and then cognitive science and psychology is what joins evolutionary psychology, okay? Um, and I saw that was very powerful and I think it is. However, there are a couple of schools it doesn't work very well with, okay? For example, it doesn't really work very well with Skinnerian behaviorism, okay? <laughs> Skinnerian behaviorism is actually a, a different angle than the cognitive uh, domain modularity of information processing. They're really, di they're different languages, okay? That's one. It doesn't work super well, although it's okay with Freudian theory. It doesn't, it, you know, you can definitely do evolutionary psychology into Jung and Freud, but you know, it's, it's not a super well. And one thing it also doesn't speak super well to or really gets defined in some ways against is the social construction of reality. Constructionism, constructivism, uh, which is more sort of a postmodern view. You get into all sorts of sociopolitical ideas and the force and power of culture in shaping the human mind. Okay, the evolutionary psych doesn't doesn't have a great map for how all of a sudden the human takes off and then becomes so unbelievably cultural. Okay, um, so I then am seeing the evolutionary psych stuff and I stumble into this idea of justification. Okay. And what it hits you with is a number of different pieces. So one we just caught, which is actually now, we have an actual tipping point where cultural evolution takes hold and it allows us to see why. And I gave you one half of the equation, which is, hey, propositions, question, answer dynamics. And then that spins us off and we can then see cultural evolution evolving that then creates a narrative of context that we're then born in and socialized in. So that helps, okay? The other thing that I was really interested in, so I'm a clinician, okay? Um, and I'm getting trained in psychodynamic work, Freudian work, okay? And of course, the central insight of the Freudian theory is that we are socialized in certain ways by our standards in society, and we internalize the superego, and that's our, hey, this is what you ought to do. And then we have this animalistic impulse, okay, of what we want to do. And then we have this ego that sits in between and mediates and the and represses shit that you can't say and rationalizes shit that you can so navigate you know the id ego super ego dynamic okay but freud's really evolutionary theory is very lamarckian and underdeveloped at least relative to say a brett weinstein's view that would be much more modern okay and although there were some people that were making connections the justification hypothesis in particular which is a subset of justification system series is this idea so now we can join our minds together through these propositions and start question and answer and we can dialogue and we can argue. But you know what else I can do with this whole proposition talking thing is I can ask you now, Tim, tell me exactly what you think, okay? And why do you think what you do, all right? Now, what that means is, is other animals, they have to mediate their communication through their behavior, okay? language goes right through the skin with the same information content, okay? It's a window into your thoughts that before are sealed off. It's the intersubjective highway, okay? Which means that if you have thoughts that are important for your interests and the way you frame things, but they are dangerous if they get out and get in hands of somebody else, you have a problem on your hands, <laughs> okay? How the hell do you share what you know in terms of your body relative to what you are going to share with somebody that asks you? 
Okay. <clears throat> so the classic, and then this is sort of archetypal male view is let's say you're the alpha male. Okay. And you go out and you go off on a hunting trip <clears throat> and you're pair bonded with somebody. Okay. And I start hanging around her because I, I, and you come back and you say, why Greg, are you spending so much time with her? What, and if I were just to download what I, well, my goal is to separate the two of you and take her as my mate. Okay. That's the access. But if I say, hey, I'm just, she's just treating me to plant seeds. Okay. Now, both then afford justifications for my behavior. All right. Both of them potentially give you some explanation for what you see, but they have radically different implications for our future. All right. And the fact that we now have a highway of communication means how the heck am I going to explain my behavior, interpret my behavior in the social setting? taking into account my interests and the social world, okay? So this becomes, and the argument fundamentally then is what, the, what Freud sees with the human ego is that it's shaped by the problem of justification. It's shaped by developing rationales for the underlying selfish animal to manage to navigate the social standards and expectations of others. And now you have a theory through this angle about why the ego is designed the way it is. It's a mental organ of justification. Ego is a mental organ of justification. <sighs> is that something which is necessarily seen in a negative way or is that both can be either? Both. <clears throat> And the mm -hmm. beauty of justification is, is that you're hitting on it right now is actually, and we, if we go to the other one, notice how powerful it potentially was with propositions, questions, answers. It opens up all sorts of cognitive power. Okay. And I would argue that the concept of justification, I say, stretches all the way from our neurotic defensive rationalizations in our most vulnerable. So rationalizations are a kind of justification and they stretch all the way to Einstein's justifications for general relativity are analytic explanations for how the world works. So are you talking about, in a, in a very broad sense, well, I mean, I always think, you know, because of my nature, I always think of things like rationality as having a good reason. You know, it's like, and, and, and so, and you can also have bad reasons, but that kind of, that the way in which our very, the way we see ourselves and our lives is a whole network of things which hold together for reasons or don't. Totally. Think about those networks of reasons as systems of justification. Systems of justification. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can get that. I'll need to give it a lot more thought, but I can, I can get what you're saying. Yeah. That's interesting. That is interesting. So, so we got on this just to finish the thought. Yeah. 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 I was putting a couple of pieces. You're like, so how does yeah. this help you? Yeah. Well, now all of a sudden, if I'm trying to coordinate all these different perspectives, I have this evolutionary view. It gives me this biological yep. view. Yep. I'm wondering about a, a behavior, but I have cognitive science. And now what I also have is psychodynamic thinking and the social constructivist approach, which are very big paradigms that now can be resonantly placed in harmony with evolutionary psychology, which I actually found the evolutionary psychologists didn't want at all. They were not interested in that. <laughs> They did not like that right? <laughs> because they already decided that they were cognitive science and evolutionary psychology. And the, the idea that it actually validates a social constructivist and Freudian view 
and I, that, that, that's not where they're located. So the leaders of the field that I went to in 1996, they were not terribly interested in this idea at all, even though it's a very evolutionary idea, but they didn't like it. So that's interesting. That is. That is. So I, I can, I can, I've, I've really got a sense of your project there now. And, and, and that key, well, the two things that I'm particularly uh, really, really hit with is this idea of the, the questioning and the propositions and the questioning, and then the justification, obviously they're all linked in together. Um, what's the garden? <laughs> well, all right. So this is 1996, the garden's 2016. There's a little space. Yeah, let's, let's get up to date. Yeah, but let's get up to date. But anyway, so then that's 1996, 1997. Um, so I'm now seeing this is going to be my life's work. I have solved the problem of human rationality, okay, basically, and twisted it by justification. Now I have a map of what it is that's actually happening, a descriptive map. Humans are just they're the justifying animal. Or the justifying ape. That's what really makes us. And that tells us what, how we think differently at a psychological level. So it's human psychology and why we take off into sociology. Okay. That, that affords us that. So that's what my passion is. All right. And then one night, as my, everyone knows, one night it's in 1997, I'm stoned and I'm just sort of like, oh, this is really cool, blah, blah, blah. And then what happens when I get stoned, my, I loosen my associative system, I get more creative. And then what my normal rational regulatory structure then does comes off and I see stuff. And in this case, I saw the idea now that I had cleaved the space between the human mind and culture with the animal mind, I then saw the universe had unfolded in four very clear steps. And essentially what I did is I rediscovered Aristotle's scales of nature or the first four steps of the great chain of being. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I rediscovered it in a totally different light. Okay. So essentially now I'm remembering all of this, you know, subtle, but, you know, assumed and then overcome knowledge that said, oh, you can look at the universe as minerals, as plants, as animals, and as people. Well, actually now I saw it as out of, out of energy at the Big Bang, energy information comes matter. That's where minerals was. Life, which is different than plants, but that's where plants are. Mind, which is animal, the sensory motor soul, and then the rational or really justifying culture person. Okay, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, right. okay, yeah. And then I just drew out these four cones at a, that carried a particular vision logic, to use a Wilberian term, and saw out of this initial singularity pops this this matter dimension and then this life dimension and this mind yeah. dimension and this culture okay now what that showed was everyone can pretty much agree that darwin's theory of evolution and the science of biology what's called the modern evolutionary synthesis a giant joint point right that's well that's what the, the now it's a joint point between but man was that a big discovery right and everyone <laughs> It pays a hell of a lot of attention to the fact that although we don't know exactly the origin of life, we have a framework for understanding what divides life from matter and yep. how natural selection operating on genetics give rise to cells. That's a real unbelievable. And biology is a serious science precisely because we at least have a basic framework for the portal through which life comes out of and then explodes on the tree of life. And that's what makes yep. psychology, biology a real science because it's now attached to the dimension beneath it. Okay. Well, what the tree of knowledge then shows is actually we're missing two joint points, Tim. <laughs> the two joint points. There's a joint point between life to mind 
That's yep. every bit as definable as the one from matter to life, an yep. evolution of mind point. And then I've stumbled into this from primate to person joint point. And if we have this map, we can then say, hey, there's this really clear division. And you get back to my discipline, psychology is all screwed up precisely because it doesn't know how to carve nature at its joints. It doesn't know where mind comes in and it doesn't know how to differentiate it from below or above, meaning into the social sciences. This map, this is a big picture, big history map that tells you exactly what psychology is in relation. So what's the, what's the joint point? Did I, have, we, have, we, have you said this or have I, did I miss it or not? The, the, so I've got the uh, something of the yep. joint point between the, the justification the, systems theory that goes from that the primate into the to human person. from primate right. to person. Uh, very yep. good. At, from biology to mind or psyche to or bio, whatever. Yeah, to animal behavior slash mind, yep. capital M mind. Okay. Yep. So, right. This actually then. This took me a while to sort out. Uh, it took me a while to sort out. But now that I actually had a frame, it took me three years to figure out. And essentially what it, you have to put together is you have to put evolution together uh, with the nervous system and its evolution, which happens around, and complex active bodies and the way animals behave as whole units. Okay, And essentially to tie them together, there's a thing called what I built is called behavioral investment theory. Okay. And that basically what it is, is, is that animal mechanical behavior is a kind of neurocomputationally calculated investment right, that expends energy to achieve a particular return on those actions so mm -hmm. that it moves the animal towards what's good and away yep. from what's bad. Yep. Okay? Yep. Yep. And, and what behavioral investment theory does is it ties together. Remember I said Skinner doesn't really fit? Yep. It takes Skinner's idea of behavioral selection ties it with an embodied 4E neurocognitive position like John Berbeke, okay? Like recursive relevance realization and places it on an evolutionary foundation around the Cambrian explosion about what gave rise to complex active bodies and brains where we went from jellyfish, which were a precursor into crabs, which are the base of mind on the tree of knowledge system. Take me through the crabs. <laughs> so what you get here with jellyfish is you have distributed neural networks, okay? Yeah. But they don't they don't have bilateral complex active bodies. They don't move in segmented parts, okay? Yeah. And they don't really engage in prey predation relation or mating or territory defense at all. Okay? Yeah. But what happens with the Cambrian explosion about 50 uh 550 million years ago over about a 20 million year period, basically we go from jellyfish, okay? Yeah into bilateral worm-like creatures that have a little brain and an eyes up front, and then they do this, and then they start moving with direction. That's a big deal. Okay? Yeah, that is a big deal. That's a big deal, all right? And then they have to engage in movement and direction, and then the body starts to become segmented, okay? So now they move in, like, with legs crawling across the, le the floor of the, um, of the ocean. All this is happening in water, okay? Uh, and then basically you get an arms race for movement and competition for territory and mates and control. And that then explodes in geologic time. Not a whole lot's happened in the last hundred million years, but then within a 20 million year period, boom, even less, you get the emergence of things that go basically from jellyfish into things that would look uh, similar in terms of complexity to a crab. Okay. So where's the mind element? So then the entire mind, and I want to be clear about the definition, 
Capital M mind is a, is a term I want to introduce, although people are kicking it around, okay? It characterizes mental evolution. So there's space of mental evolution from the emergence of a brain that can regulate and control a complex active body system yep. and then engages in what I call mental behavior. Mental behavior is the functional effect of what the animal does in its activity of the environment. That's called mental behavior. It's a particular kind of behavior, okay? Mind is the set of mental behavior and mental behavior takes off when you have a brain and a complex active body that's engaging in the agent arena environment, to use John Verveke's term, okay, as a complex adaptive system. That's the base of mind. Yep. It's tied together. What it's in the computational base is a bioenergetic economic system that's expending this energy in relation to costs and risks and opportunities. Very good. I love that. Yeah, I resonate with a lot of that. Um, uh, and, and, and beautifully, beautifully put. I think I think I completely get that, and I completely get this idea that there's these these key moments. You know, the the, the like you, I'm constantly involved in big picture. That's my you know I, I I thoroughly I so much admire those people who can home in on some little <laughs> thing, and I, I just can't. You know, it's just I'm looking for like I want it's the, it's the life, the universe, and everything. You know, it's totally. like that's where I'm exploring it, and and I want to you know I want to. Yep know what it is as deeply as I can experience it as deeply as I can while I can. And um, so, yeah, like, so I'm looking at that as well. I'm looking, yeah, this evolutionary picture. So for me, what's where we're just to tie it in with the beginning of our, yeah, of our yeah, conversation, yeah. you know, and, and this is going to be too much to go in, into too much because we've, because you've been very kind and explained all of that to me, but the, the, um, the, if I had to sort of narrow it down rather crudely to like, what's mm -hmm. the, what's the yep. key thing which has grabbed my imagination over the last period of my life as intellectual life anyway, right, right, has right. been the, the evolutionary picture is just like, it's so beautiful. Uh, I mean, it's so it's this, this, you know, and you think how recent it is really mm -hmm. so that right. we can actually go, you know, that not just life, but the whole universe yes. has evolved. I mean, I just that. that. So, uh, so part of my philosophical um, adventure is to go, Okay, so can we see literally everything as evolving? So, you know, whatever it is you're talking about, whether it's numbers even, whatever it is, everything is this process. And because I come from a kind of a, a, a background in mystical philosophy, really, and that's my, 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 right. my deep, deep time background, right. Right. you know, there's a, the, 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 I see it very much like, well, this looks like it's the one in relationship with itself. Mm. That's what this looks like it is. And it looks like, and I would also, as you've done, is I would take a, a concept like information yeah, because uh, it's the, the term we, you know, we're in the information age. And for a reason, I'm sure that's what we'll be, we'll, in a hundred years, they'll yeah. look back on and go, how naive. But right, right. now it's cutting edge. Yeah. And, and, and by information, I simply mean that, you know, I would... My, my thinking would be, okay, so if, if it's the one in relationship to itself, what can I say yeah. about the one? What's the commonality? What's the simplest quality that has become all qualities? Yep. Then the, the word that comes for me is being because the, the old beautiful is like the being is in the process of becoming that idea. Yeah. And it's what that becoming is, is relational. Everything mm. 
is relationship, time, space, energy, and information also. Yeah. So the information is informing, literally, in the, in the old meaning of the word. It's, it's qualifying mm. being into qualities. Mm. So you've now got the interaction of all of these different information systems totally. with each other. Yep. But what exists is not the information system per se, it's the relationship, relationship is what exists. Mm. Yeah. So yep. right now we are getting this yep. because information systems like this with a yep. psyche and a, they, we get this. Yes. Amen. And, yeah. and the big, and, and a big important part of that for me is, is that you know, I, I personally really don't relate to any form of reductionism. Mm -hmm. I, I, right. It just, it, it just seems like a, a woo woo <laughs> idea to me. Um, and it so it just feels to me that if the, the, the process of emergence has been to greater information systems, which cannot be reduced to lesser ones. Right. And that the, as these greater systems form, um, the level of the interaction is becoming more and more uh, emergent. It's more emergent. So that, so that where it relates to what you're saying, I think, is that when I think about and obviously this is big picture thinking in a very broad sense. Um, so, and, and not, up, not even as up close as you're, you're going. So, you know, I, you know, you've got matter, your life, yep. you've got mind, mm -hmm. psyche, mm -hmm. soul. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's all the same thing, really. And, and the, the non, the something non-material, something which we experience at least as, you know, we're, the thing we're passing to each other here through all of these mm -hmm. funny noises. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet, mm -hmm. it's not the funny noise, right? And 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 th and feeling like ah, so what's very similar to what you're saying? Uh, uh, look, this has evolved as a the, at a certain point, mm -hmm. the way of the, the information systems in once to become animal is or even plants is reading yep. the environment around it. Totally, yep. That it's becoming so complex that. That, that there's an agenda now because there's death. Yep. It's hard yep. to hold totally. this mm -hmm. level of yep. of this organization mm -hmm. together. So yep. ones that can hold it together or and reproduce are going to carry on. Ones that can't won't. It's all totally that. So there's and that 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 my exploration of consciousness in a very simple way would be. Well, it looks to me like it's paying attention. Yeah. It looks like I. Totally. What I do is I, <laughs> I what I'm conscious of what I pay attention to, so that I'm getting all this information coming in, yeah. And I and I've developed the mechanism to go that matters, that yep. doesn't. Well, and you, you, and that's talking with John about recursive relevance realization. Okay, <laughs> all right. So, I mean, so, you know, yeah, okay, so 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 that so that 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 the in that that uh, that relational um, dynamic the ability to, to to go this matters and that doesn't matter with the information coming on and is going to create and that focus subjectivity is this totally. <laughs> it's like yeah it goes hd on you because it's Absolutely. focused yeah and then once you've got that focusing on the information coming in you it also becomes something that can focus on the processing itself yes so now you've got that same ability to go that matters that doesn't and you so you're so that the the organism is the information system is now looking at its own processing that's right and that's going to then knock you back into now i'm conscious of being of thinking so i can see the processing i can symbolize the processing and back and back and back and suddenly right. that whole domain is just opening up into this um uh 
uh, well, what we, we experience now. So the bit that's what probably, this thing is. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and so why that, why that all that all interests me anyway, but one of the, from as, as someone who's spent their whole life having all of these, what would be called spiritual experiences. Right. What intrigues me is whether it's possible to understand that latest development as the existence of information on a whole new level. And if the, yes, if the so basic well. quality of the universe is informational and so that, yep. and, it's, and it's levels of information organizing lower levels of information, yep. that the, 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 the world in which the shamans found themselves yep. is actually yep. a world. It is actually a domain. Totally. And that yep. when we wander off into that domain, it's, it's an it's a level of existence or reality if you use it in that way that totally. rather than some ephemeral thing which has got no substance in itself I and suddenly all of the spirituality becomes rather than something cut off from the the cultural narrative goes like no it's an extension of it it's yes. just like that's the realm now the way it sees itself would be wrong so so what i'm what i'm what i'm kind of playing with is wanting to say to the mainstream modern science keep going don't you know yeah. don't you you know that once you thought it was just life that evolved and then you went oh no no it's the whole universe that's evolved now go the other direction and go and it's yes. evolved into ah, the bardos yes. <laughs> that's what it's become well, that's, exa that's exactly um, that that's what the tree of knowledge gives us that perspective it turns out exactly. right okay and then to spirituality, obviously, which is where, where I'm engaging probably the most, although I do with every, with both ends, is, you know, with spirituality, because they've come, they, don't, they haven't had an evolutionary understanding, for them, that's the real thing, and this is the fallen state. This is the illusion, and we've fallen from there into this. So I'm wanting to kind of go, look, science, keep going. Spirituality, yep. flip it on its head. This isn't where we've fallen from. This is where we're growing into. I love it's it. a much more optimistic view of spirituality, totally. which can be very negative. Totally. And it creates exactly the dialectic between naturalism and spiritualism that then threads a portal into whatever this thing's becoming. <laughs> yes. So, okay. So here, here, here's a, here's a question. I don't know if it'll be my last question, but it feels like it might be, but is that when I was looking at your, um, your funnels, which yep, anyone listening to this can Google yep. your name and they're sure yep. to find it. And um, so, you know, there was matter and then life and then mind and then culture. That's right. And then on one of them, there was a fifth one <laughs> with a yes. question mark by it. Exactly. And so, of course, I want to know what you think the fifth one is. Right. Well, this is and, and this is where well, what we're at right now, according to the map, is we are right in the middle of the chirotic moment of the fifth joint point. Okay. So I just love that sentence, oh, Greg. I just want to, I just want to just savor just the, the sentence. I don't know what it means, but I love the <laughs> sentence. <laughs> well, I borrowed it from John. I didn't know what the hell it means either. Oh, okay. Chirotic from John. John knows all the, you know, John's a brilliant when it comes to but just the, the whole sentence was just so beautiful. So what does it mean? So, so chirotic is a, is a term from Greek and it means the importance of now. Okay. But versus chronos where chronos is everything's happening normal. When yeah. chirotic moments are when, you know, if we were in complexity science, it's like, oh, we're about ready for a phase shift or collapse. Okay. Yeah. So this is, and then it matters then in terms of the, uh, the moral impetus, it means like the decisions that you make now, <laughs> whether you win or lose the game, you know, this is where it all, where all the marbles start to come in. Okay. Right. 
And so what the, I mean, and this is the cool thing about the tree of knowledge map, as far as I'm concerned, is like, you know, it turned me spiritual. I mean, I was, uh, you know, like not through logos. So I get to spirit through logos. Okay. Rather than through, you know, meditation or through perspectival experiential stuff, which is the normal I'm out here in science coming in and basically, wait a minute, this all fits together. And you wake up and you look at God. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. And it's pretty concrete because here let's, let's, so. So so what's the fifth one? What is that? Yeah. So, all right. So let's just let here's how I know it. Logos wise. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So what is life? Well, life is this new kind of information processing communication network. Yep. Okay. So that's, a, that's what chemistry doesn't do. But what life does do is it networks stuff together, detects forms, processes information, responds accordingly, sends out chemical communications, other life stuff, and they create an information processing communication network. Beautiful. Beautiful. Love that. Beautifully put. Okay. Yeah. What, what the hell is mine mediated by the nervous system? Well, the nervous system collects cells all together, centralizes it in a brain, coordinates the behavior of the animal as a whole, and then communicates that to other animals. Very good. Okay. What the hell is talking? Talking takes our subjective minds together, yicks them together, and builds systems of justification. Mm-hmm. So what do you see? A pattern? Novel information processing systems that get yoked up into different communication systems set the stage for a whole new level of complex adaptive behavior. Very good. Okay. So I'm going to throw this idea with you. I was, I was, I was thinking we should, you know, maybe, you know, we've been talking for so long, but I'm going to have to try because you started off with God and I picked it up. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to throw this at you. And, um, and I completely understand if, if um, this is somewhere you can't go with me, but I'm going to throw it to you anyway, which is, this is, this is the speculation, which is kind of, it's been leading to for me, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is that I would say, I don't see God in as an idea Mm -hmm. Uh, or it is an idea, but I have an idea of God, but there is, and I don't even necessarily like the word, but that I, that, that, that I have had and do have this profound sense of being when I'm at my most awake, when life seems most real when I feel at my most emergent state of my psyche that I'm entering into communion with something greater than myself. Right. And it does make the old God at the beginning doesn't make any sense to me and right. doesn't explain anything. You just solve one mystery with a bigger one. And right. he's obviously nuts because yeah. why would you have all those extinction things and you know, the problem of evil? So he's mean and nuts. Right. So I don't like him. So I'm not interested in that. So what, what, so you've got this oneness in relationship yeah. to itself and the whole thing I love about the evolutionary picture is it says, look, it's starting from the simplest of possible things. And then based on the past, something new, based on the past, something new. Based on the so where it's heading is the most emergent thing. Yeah. Well, maybe God's a good name for the most emergent thing. And certainly the idea of it. <laughs> yeah. But, but maybe actually it. Uh, totally. So here's what I'm, here's what, here's what I, I wonder whether, whether actually, I have this. I I have this. Uh, I, I, my my general work with people is around like yours is. You know, you've been a clinical psychologist. I've been teaching awakening, so taking people to this profound state of feeling oneness with the universe right. and this enormous love that comes with it and the goodness that arises yeah, with that. Totally. Um, and I've had the great pleasure over the last few decades of traveling around the world doing that with loads and loads of people. 
and my sense is it's getting easier. And, and, and for instance, I mean, just a, you know, when I started doing it, you talk about an experience of oneness, most people will just like look at you like the blank expression, but not any longer. Yeah. Most people are, know what it means. Many people have actually experienced it. Yes. And my, my sense then is, is that, that we're evolving now from what the language I'm playing with is from individuals into what I call individuals, mm. which is an individual conscious of unity with the universe. Yes. So that actually what's happening is that we've reached a level of the evolution of psyche that it's becoming more common to recognize I'm obviously this information system. I'm Tim. I'm a biological and psychological, but actually also I'm the whole universe. What else could I be? What, what, What could I be? But the universe, there's nothing else I could be. And I'm in relationship with it. And that, that as that opens up, there's this shift that takes place. Yes which in the past has been a shift away in terms right. of its enlightenment right. is, but actually now is, is, is not, it's, it's a shift which take, include, takes everything within it. Yes. Where you're going, oh, mm-hmm. and there's this new way of being in the world where you're not the isolated mm. uh, self, but neither are you going down the old axle age religions road of Beautiful. negating the, the self right. Right. in order right. to achieve some sort of distant, right. you're actually, the, the self becomes the foundation yes. from which you are becoming conscious of something greater than the self. And my, my little bit of crazy speculation to, to just throw at you to, as we mm. now at the end of our conversation, which started with God <laughs> is that I wonder if what's happening is that as we come into communion mm-hmm. with the one, mm-hmm. that there is a, the, the, I'm wondering whether we are growing into God. That just as at some point, all of these individual cells manages to get it on to become right. a multi-celled Tim. <laughs> right, right, right. Individual souls in communion are becoming the universe on another level, a level to which I can only touch the edge of it because yeah. like the cells trying to imagine what it's like to be Tim. It's like, you know, it's not going to happen. But, but, but that we can touch the edge of that. And what it feels like is this incredible love. It's like totally. complete immersion in the good, as you described right. it. Um, and that's what, and I want, for me, the, the next stage, I just think, oh, maybe, maybe that's what's opening up. Yeah. Um, and, and, and maybe that is what, I, I wonder also whether that is what's being described by people in, in things like the near-death experience of coming yeah, into no, light that's, that's certainly... and also in mystical experiences or ayahuasca or buffet or all the other right. things that we're doing. So there we go. Uh, that's, I love that. Uh, that's it's a beautiful I'm... idea, you know, and, uh, and, and I really, I, so my natural spiritual loves that idea in you <laughs> and feels it. You know, I, I embody it. I also see the digital world as, and the evolution of culture person intersecting, you know, so with a, for at a concrete level to create an interneted network, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Because if we can then, if we can reach higher states collectively in this interneted network, well, yeah, right? because, because the thing that, 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 I mean, it's a really obvious thing. I really love obvious things. I have to confess, the more obvious they are, the more they thrill me, but you know, it's a really obvious thing to me, but I love it. Every time I think about it is I look around me here and apart from out the window where it's the garden, but everything else, I'm living in the imagination. Every single thing has been through everything. Everything, even the things I look through have been through the imagination. 
this is all of the it's all coming from the imagination into the world and what when we've created this internet which you and i are connecting in different time zones and different it's like and so that our psyches can now connect it's all come from the psyche it's all come from the imagination um and the the level of connection i mean i i do a lot one of the practices i do with people just because it's such a beautiful thing is is uh, is gazing which i stumbled into about 20 years ago it was a weird thing at the time but now it's much more common because it brings about this profound soul connection mm. you just you know you, you're just when you're looking in somebody's eyes and you realize what the fuck am i connecting with because <laughs> it's uh, windows to the soul <laughs> really the thing i'm connecting with i can't see yeah. it's happening now you know yeah. the thing the Amen. thing that's sharing these ideas you can't see it because totally. it's not in the sensory world right it's in a different domain and it's non-spatial. It's in that sense, it's non-local. And and then when you do that with people, because we've been in lockdown, so I've been I can't hold events. So I've been doing it with people literally all over the world, looking at pictures of each other on Zoom, right? And going, it works <laughs> because what's happening is that connection of the psyche with the psyche. Totally. And uh, it makes such a you know it just like puts people in a completely different different state. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, Greg, thank you so much for taking me all through that. I really, really loved it, and 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 I'm so enthused that there are uh, other people drawn towards the good. I'm so pleased you started with that as well. It really put me at ease because mm. it felt like ah, this is going to be this is I'm going to enjoy this, and yeah. and the the power of that evolutionary picture. It does feel like that's what needs to come in, and that whatever paradigm will eventually really solidify i i I think it has that emergent quality to it my i think we need some healing Uh, you know i'm a clinician between you know modern science and the traditional ways of knowing and our vision and our earth and and our technologies there's definitely a lot more potential for healing uh indeed the whole uh, purpose of my labeling my journey first the tree of knowledge system you know is yeah, to frame yeah, yeah. It in a particular way and yeah. then ultimately sort of a return to the garden you know yeah is, yeah, is yeah metaphorically uh, and i say that as a scientist you know but a scientist who is um in search of revitalizing the soul and spirit in the 21st century. yeah and in this way i really like you know what ken uh, wilbur's been doing for so yep. long you know that Amen. and that idea of integration of an integral and you know immediately i came across your stuff it was like oh this is integral it's very um, integral in, in the way that he means it and, and and that that does feel right that's what we seem to be trying to find between us i think that's a the sensibility that is i hope we are awakening to that's for sure and it felt it here well, on that beautiful line, um, I'll um, I'll say you know, thank you, and thank uh, you. May that sensibility grow and grow. Perfect. All righty. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Have a great day. You too. Take right. care. Enjoyed it. Uh, me too.